praise your name, Lord. That's what I'm talking about. I'm here to lift the name of Jesus Welcome to Feeding My Faith. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the School of Podcasting.com. And um, if you're new to the show, this is where we take a peek at Scripture and we kind of read it. We look for things that kind of stand out, that, that hit us in one way or another. And then we kind of try to apply that. How does that work in my life? And then we basically talk to God for a bit. They call that soaping. And uh, if you want more information about that, you can go out to our website at feedingmyfaith.com. Today's scripture is Genesis 3 through 5 and Luke 2. Now, if you're like, oh, man, this guy's going to read that to me. Actually, I'm not. See, here's the thing. The Bible says you, you need to renew your mind. And plus, who wants to listen to me read to three chapters of the Bible? So what I'm doing here is Genesis 3 is all about Adam and Eve and the serpent and things like that. So this ends up being kind of the cliff notes of uh, the Bible. And so I went through and I read the story about how Eve is deceived. And, of course, at this point, Adam and Eve are in the, the Garden of Eden. And if you think about this, I can't imagine what the Garden of Eden was like. Because it sounds like just everything was just there. This awesome awesome utopian place. And my favorite is, and there are a couple things that came out here. Um, the serpent was clever. Of course, the serpent meaning the devil. More clever than any wild animal God had made. Now, the thing that got me there was God had made the devil, which in theory, if we get into the whole devil thing, the devil was an angel that tried to take on God and got thrown out of heaven. And, uh, the first thing the devil does is say, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? And she says, uh, we can eat anything from the garden. It's only that one tree that we can't eat from. If we touch it, we're going to die. And of course, what's the, the devil do? Oh, you won't die. God, God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. Just like God, you'll be just like God. And in a nutshell, he's lying. And he's asking you to question God. And so um, she eats it. And it says in verse 7, this came out immediately. The two of them um, did really see what's going on. And they saw themselves naked. And they sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. So here, God said, don't do it. When you do it, you go, oh, man. How do I undo this, right? Where if you're used to using computers, that who doesn't know control Z? That's the keyboard shortcut for undo. There is no undo in life many times. And then when they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden, uh, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden and they hid from God. Now think about how ridiculous that is. Trying to hide from God. But I think we all do. We know we do something wrong and you're like, oh, I'm just going to quit talking to God because I'm sure he's mad at me. I'm sure he's upset. Things like that. And uh, of course, he's like, hey, what'd you guys do? And what's the first thing Adam say in verse 12? The woman you gave me as a companion. So it's not even it's her fault. It's your fault, God. She gave me the fruit from the tree. Yes, I ate it. So on one hand, kudos for saying, yeah, I did eat it. But uh, boo to you, 
<laughs> for number one, you're like, it's her fault. And really, it's not her fault because you're the person that gave me her. Now, the bottom line is here. Uh, he's not really saying he does say, yes, I ate it. But it's not like I know I shouldn't. No, he's, he's kind of trying to pass the buck. When he talks to Eve, what does she say? Yeah, it wasn't my fault. Uh, it was a serpent's fault. No accountability here. And um, the thing you'll see there that, okay, they've made a mess. What does God do? He says, look, here, let's let's lose the fig leaves here. And he makes some clothes for them out of leather. He doesn't, you know, he throws them out of the garden. He says, look, I gave you this awesome place. We had one rule. You blew it. But, you know, and he, and he also says there are consequences here. The, the thing that's interesting about the, the God in the Old Testament, like there are major consequences. And he says, look, here's the deal. Here's the rule. All right, you broke the rule. You're still my child. But uh, guess what? You're going to have a lot of pain when you have kids now. And Adam, you know how you had all this food that was just like anywhere you wanted to get food? Yeah, you got to grow it now. And you got to work for it. So there are consequences. But I still love you. Let me make you some clothes. And then it goes into Genesis 4, where it's the story of Cain and Abel. Now, these are Adam and Eve's children. And um, the one thing that really upped out to me here was in uh, Genesis 4, verse 4. It says, Adam slept with his wife Eve. She conceived and had Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man with God's help. And for me, that, that jumped out at, at me. I, I uh, at one point, was uh, with my first wife, unfortunately, um, she had all sorts of issues with her reproductive system. And we tried to have, you know, we had in, what is it? In, in basically, uh, what is that called? They basically try to uh, impregnate her with a turkey baster. How's that? Um, in vitro, in, in, fertis, in, in I can't, in vitro fertilization, something like that. I, I That word is escaping me. Um, and I understand that it is really in the end, uh, it's God that makes babies, you know, in my head. And, um, it shows where Cain and Abel, you know, Abel went out and he said, Hey God, here's the best I got. I'm making an offering to you to, to glorify you. Here's the best I got. Here's the best, you know, whatever it was, calves or food or whatever. And Cain kind of said, yeah, here's some stuff I got lying around. And God was like, well, I'm going to take you know, Abel's because, wow, he's he knows that I will provide. And so he's giving me his best stuff. And so Cain, I'm not going to really, you know, Abel wins this little deal here. I'm not going to take your thing. And what did Cain do? He threw a tantrum and was like, it's not fair. You, you know, you're playing favorites, blah, blah, blah. And in uh, verse six, uh, Genesis four, six, why this tantrum? Why the sulking? God says to Cain. If you do well, won't you be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin is lying in wait for you, ready to pounce. It's out to get you, and you've got to master it. And so here, this is some pretty intense counseling from God. Talking to Cain, said, look, here's the deal. Don't go just knowingly acting bad here. He's throwing a tantrum because... Sin is lying in wait for you, ready to pounce. It's out to get you, and you've got to master it. You've got to have some self-control. And right now, how does that apply to me? I'm trying to lose weight. 
And there are all sorts of lies that, you know, if I eat this, I'll feel better. If I do this, and it is, it's, it's, it's basically that little voice in my head that says, oh, one little ho-ho won't hurt. Oh, three cookies, three Christmas cookies won't hurt. Oh, it's birthday cake. It won't hurt. It's just one. And that's a lie. Because one plus one plus one plus one is uh, a lot of calories. And so I thought it was interesting here that God is saying, you know, on one hand, Adam and Eve are are talking about being victims. And then uh, Cain is throwing tantrums because he didn't do his best. And, of course, the story is then that, uh, you know, Cain, just overcome with jealousy of his brother Abel, uh, killed him, went out and whacked him. And again, I think it's funny because God says to Cain, hey, where's your brother? This is after he killed him. And Cain says, how do I know? I'm not his babysitter. And uh, God, no, what, what have you done? And he says, you know, he, he just says, look, the, the farm, you'll farm this ground, but it will no longer give you its best. You'll be homeless and you're going to wander the earth. And so Cain, this is one of the things that, that jumped out at me. Cain says to God, oh, dude, are you kidding me? That's way too much punishment. I can't take that. You're throwing me off the land and I can never again face you. I'm a homeless wanderer of the earth. That's not fair. Whoever finds me is going to kill me. So here again, proof that God will not give you more than you can take. The first word out of God's mouth. No. So here's what Cain says. It's too much. Can't take it. I'm going to get killed. God said, no. Anyone who kills you will pay for it seven times over. And he put a mark on Cain to protect him so that no one who met him would not kill him. And um, so Cain leaves. And does Cain leave this horrible life? Verse 16, Cain left the presence of God and lived in this no man lands east of Eden. He slept with his wife and she conceived. Number one, let's just go right there. Cain slept with his wife. Okay, he had a wife. He wasn't just one guy out in the middle of the desert dying. And she conceived and had, I believe it's pronounced Enoch. He then built a city and named it after his son, Enoch. And it gets into a lot of Bible genealogy. And I tell you, between you and me both, so-and-so begat so-and-so who had, you know, Ada had Zillah and God had Zillah and uh, Megatron and all these other ones. You know, when Malahala was 65 years old, he had Jared. That's Jared. And after Jared had died, he lived 830 years old. Amazing what happens when there's no pollution in the world. And um, the other scripture today was all about, and this really, again, how does this apply to me? Luke 2 is about the birth of Jesus. And um, what I hear about the time that Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken through the empire, I hear the voice of my grandpa because uh, every Christmas Eve when I was dying, I was dying to open the presents. Come on. I can see them. They're right there underneath the tree. Come on. Uh, We had to wait for grandpa to read the Christmas story. And so when I hear, I'm actually getting kind of choked up now. When I hear Luke two, I hear the voice of my grandpa in my head. And luckily, so luckily um, he moved to Texas when I was um, probably in my 20s. 
because uh, my grandma had really bad emphysema, and uh, she they moved to be with my uh, aunt, and uh, the the air was just bad. It's very humid in uh, in Ohio, so they lived there for my grandma's health. And luckily, I said, Grandpa, can you please record the Christmas story on a cassette deck and email it to me or uh, mail it to me? And I did. So I, I can still, my grandpa's been gone a while and um, I can still hear the Christmas story. So for me, that's how, as soon as I hear, heard that. But the other thing that's kind of weird about this, and it, it, it talks about the story of Simeon. And Simeon is this guy, and this just proves that God keeps his promises. And uh, he it says, who lived in prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. And the Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah before he died. And so led by the Spirit, he entered the temple as the parents, basically as Mary and Joseph, walk into the temple. And uh, Simeon gets to hold Jesus and uh, just says, wow, Lord, you're you're awesome. You keep your promises. You said you were going to help us, and I'm holding the help right here in my arms. How cool is that? And, um, of course, picture Mary and Joseph, right? They're just walking into the temple. Some old dude comes up and grabs your kid (laughs) and says, wow, this is the Messiah. Because I'm not sure they're walking around going, yeah, you know what? Check out my baby. He's the Messiah. How about your baby? Is your your baby the Messiah? No, mine is. Ha ha. That's right. I don't know that they were doing that. And so, you know, it it shows just how I I can only imagine what it was like to be Mary and Joseph. What a story. And then it talks about later on in Luke 2. And this is where, you know, they every year they went to uh, this big feast called the Passover. And everybody went to Jerusalem. It's this big, huge holiday, for lack of a better phrase. And Jesus was 12. And we just kind of read that. Jesus was 12. Well, of course he was. He was human. But think about that. Go find a 12-year-old. And, you know, Jesus went to school, I'm assuming. However, they educated kids back then. You know, he worked with his dad, probably. Probably learned how to do some carpentry stuff. But here they are at this big Passover thing, and they lose him. And like any good parent, they freak out. Whoa, I thought you had Jesus. No, you had Jesus. Where? Whoa, whoa. Jesus! Jesus! No, couldn't find him. The next day, think about that. How'd you like to lose your kid for a day? Think you'd be freaking out just a little bit, parents? And they found him in the temple. And it says his parents were not impressed. They were upset and hurt. My guess is they were a little uh, ticked off. Now, everybody else was like, man, this kid is awesome. He's only 12 and he preaches with such convictions. And they're like, yeah, you know what? We're not impressed right now. uh, Dude, Jesus, you're grounded. (laughs) And his mother said to him, you know, why did you do this? We've been out. We've been half out of our minds looking for you. And if, I, if I'm guessing, she probably said, Jesus H. Christ, if that was his actual middle name. And I know that's a joke, but you know how moms are. When you're really in trouble, they use your middle name. To which Jesus says, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know I would be here dealing with the things of my father? 
and they had no idea what he was talking about. And uh, it says uh, he went back with them and he lived obediently with them. His mother held these things dearly deep within herself. And as Jesus matured, growing up in both body and spirit, blessed by both God and people. So as I read that last part here, he lived with them obediently. And if you think about it, we started off talking about Adam and Eve who didn't live obediently to God. You know, God says, honor your father and mother. And Jesus did that. He didn't there, but he was 12. What 12? <laughs> and he's even saying, look, I was, how could, why didn't you figure this out? Of course I'd be here. But we saw where being obedient, you know, God wants the best for us. And we just have to do what he says. And that's why we're doing this soaping thing. We're trying to daily figure out what's going on. What does God want? And to listen to God and to say, show me. You know, Cain, you know, broke the rules. Did God kill him? No. Did God protect him? Yes. Did Cain survive? Yes. So you may think you have to give up all, but you, God's got a plan. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. It basically says God has a plan for you and he, it's a good plan. So today we just look at God and say, all right, I understand I have to obey you. I understand you have a plan. I understand that you're never going to give us something that we can't handle. Even though we go, oh, come on. You got a plan, and if we just obey you and follow your teachings, that you want the best for us. And it says that, you know, Jesus, he's our example. He lived obediently. So God, help me to not listen to the lies of the world when they say do this do this it's no big deal it's just one and help me be obedient to you and to your word and to your son thank you so much our website is feedingmyfaith.com I've got uh, resources out there for soaping that's what they call this scripture O is for observation, A is for application, and P is for prayer. And if you would like to have, you can go out to our website, feedingmyfaith.com forward slash 25, and you can see links to all the scriptures and everything I talk about. If you would like to have this information sent to you via email and be notified when a new episode comes out, you can go out to feedingmyfaith.com forward slash newsletter. And actually have all the show notes come right to you. So thank you so much for tuning in. And now get out there and testify to the truth. Let me hear you say it.